Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Okay, I have a question for you this morning. How many of you can honestly say that you've been anxious at some point in your life? That you've been anxious about something, you've had some anxiety over something. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing my sins this morning. I've been anxious over this house and anxious over the cell of the other house. And, and there are times where I think my uh, faith was waning and you start to feel anxious about things. And now we're trying to move stuff from this rental home over to the new house and the anxiousness of getting all that done and, and that kind of stuff. And so I know I'm probably the only sinner in the room this morning. So, and I know, I know, I know we are not supposed to get anxious, but we do. And, uh, and you don't know why. Have you been there? You just, you're not even sure why that's starting to happen to you. You're thinking it's all going to get done, isn't it? Or it's all going to take place. How many of you realize that anxiety and anxiousness sometimes is over things that never even happen? Yep. How many of you realize, <laughs> you know, we get anxious about stuff and then it's like it doesn't even happen, you know? So my, my pastor used to use the illustration that anxiety or anxiousness or worry is like a rocking chair. And, you know, when you sit in a rocking chair and you just go back and forth, it feels good, but you're not really getting anywhere, are you? And uh, just nothing happening. You're just going back and forth. And he said, that's what anxiety is sometimes. And so, you know, as I was going through the scriptures, God really laid this upon my heart. And I don't know if some of you have experienced this in your own lives where that anxiety enters in. And, and sometimes that anxiousness or that anxiety enters in. It, it's over material things, earthly things a lot of times, things that are happening around us here. But rarely is it the spiritual and I started to think about that in my own life. It's not, I don't get anxious as much over the spiritual as I do about the material things, the temporal things, things that are going to vanish away, things that are going to burn up in the fire, things that are just going to go away. Those are the things that sometimes I find myself getting most anxious about. Um, I want us to look at these scriptures and with a new light. And, and when we go in and read them, here's what I don't want you to do. Don't zone out, zone in. <laughs> don't tune out, tune in. And, and when we go through the scriptures, you say, well, Pastor, I know these passages. I know, but I really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? And I believe the Holy Spirit resides in us. And it says the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and he'll bring all things to our remembrance, whatsoever he has said unto us. So if you check out before we're finished reading, sometimes we're checking out on God. Not just Pastor, we're just checking out on God. And we're not really paying attention. And so I'm going to read these verses to us, and I want you to look at it again, and I want you to think about, have I found myself in this place? Have I, have I found myself in this position? Have I, have I found myself being that anxious person? And so let's look at these verses together. Can we all stand and honor the reading of the Word of God this morning? I want to begin reading in verse 25, and we'll read on through verse 34. Our text is really verses 33 and 34, but we're going to begin in verse 25. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? 
And why take uh, ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for, to, uh, for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You know, our lives and days uh, become busy even to the point that uh, we're too busy at times. And, and, and really what happens is we can even become too busy for God. And I want you to consider your, your life. Uh, and, and I want you to consider what brings in anxieties at times and the reason those anxieties arrive. And, and I think God kind of clearly spells it out here in the Bible. And I often thought if you're too busy for God, man, we're just too busy. <laughs> If I'm too busy for God, I am just way too busy. And I need to reconsider spiritually what I need to do to help myself to be nourished up in the words of faith, to, to have that strength that I need from day to day. And I, I began to look at some of this busyness that's in our lives, and I got to thinking about how a lot of the busyness in my life stems from wants rather than needs. Am I the only guilty one, too, on that one? <laughs> It stems from wants rather than needs sometimes. Now, there are times we become busy and we need to do things. And you're not being unspiritual, by the way, if let's say you couldn't make it to seed line, but you were doing something else uh, that was needful. You're not unspiritual, by the way, for having done that. And don't let anxiety enter into your life because you didn't make it or something like that. Don't, don't, don't do that to yourself. But here's the thing. Being so busy that I have no time for my devotions or my prayer time or anything like that, not giving myself over to God. Someone shared with me today uh, just about, you know, I can't imagine that God uh, was upset with the guys when they were in battle and didn't stop to do their devotions in the middle of a battle. Are you with me? And sometimes we're just in the middle of it. We got to get it done. And God's not upset with you, but there's still a time where you need to set some time aside to get alone with him. Would you agree? I need to go pray. I think David prayed before and after the battles. Would you agree? There were times even in the battle, sometimes he had that moment where he could pray in the battle. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And the Bible does teach us to pray without ceasing. And so that is one of the things that we ought to do. We ought to have that attitude and that spirit of heart. And you can get too focused on possessions. How many of you believe that this morning? We can get focused on possessions, can't we? Especially in the world in which we live, the material things in our world, we can get really focused on possessions and, and, and material goods rather than the necessities of life. And then you become anxious over what you have <laughs> or what you don't have. And, and we become anxious over those things. I used to tell the story that I always wanted the Ginsu knives. I had to have them. How many of you love infomercials, huh? <laughs> Or the sham wow. Nobody in here watches those things, right, except me. And so, and so the thing of it is, is that you feel like by the end of the commercial, if you don't have one of these, your life is not complete. <laughs> you have to have these things. And so, you know, it's just possessions. It's just stuff. How many of you have gotten something and you're thinking, eh. 
My wife made a joke the other day. We were in the Walmart, and she goes, look, an electric knife. We need one of these. I want to tell you something. We received an electric knife for our uh, wedding gift. We got a wedding gift. It's still in the same box that it came in, and I'm not, I'm not mad at the person. I'm not saying I have just never used it. never even came out of the box. I mean, to really think that I need an electric knife to do what I can do like this really quickly, you know what I mean? It just never dawned on me. Is she still ha- I mean, I think we're going to have a real relic hands here soon, so I think I can probably get it on eBay and probably make myself a few bucks off of it. Hey, original wedding gift, you know what I mean? 40 years old, no. And, uh, but the thing of it is, is that we think we have to have stuff. Anybody with me on that? We just think possessions are things, I mean, things that we have to have. And so we simply get to the place where we have anxiety over the things, and God gives you a very simple answer to your anxiety in life. I want you to look at this verse with me firsthand, and we'll get into the message. Turn to Philippians with me, chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Everybody with me? In Philippians uh, chapter 4, look down, if you would, at verse 4. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, what folks? So, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. If you underline in your Bible, you write in your Bible, or you do anything like that, that's the word anxiety. That's anxiousness. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. So the Bible tells us to be anxious for what? Nothing. Don't be anxious over anything. Now watch what he says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I find that a fascinating verse. Let me tell you why it's so fascinating. It is so fascinating because God said that we're to do everything by prayer and supplication. And notice what he says, with thanksgiving. That means I'm thanking God before it even came. Isn't that something? Fascinating verse. It's like you need to thank the Lord. Uh, And he says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, you're not doubting whether he'll answer your request or not. You're thanking him ahead of time. So he told you, don't get anxious over stuff. Go ahead and pray and seek God for it. And do it with thanksgiving. And then he tells us something begins to happen here. Notice what it says. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A wonderful verse in that God brings peace to your life. What kind of peace? Well, I've asked God. I've I've talked to God about it. I've thanked God for it. And then what I did, I made my request known unto him. I told him what my request was. And then the peace of God comes. Why? Because it's in God's hands at that point, isn't it? And I leave it in God's hands. And here's what it says. And at peace which passeth all understanding, and it shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, you talk about the heart. You're talking about your emotions, are we not? We're talking about that internal part. You can't really see it. He'll help you with your emotions, is what he's telling you. And he says he'll help you with your thinking, your mind. So he'll help you with how you feel, and he'll help you with what you're thinking about. And so he says, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will enter into you. Now, how does that occur? Well, one, you need to be saved, right? So the Holy Spirit resides in you, and by the Spirit of God working in you, has an ability then to bring forth this emotional peace that only he can supply. And by the way, it passes our understanding. We can't grasp that, but God's capable, amen? And so we look at this, and here's what he tells us. Change the way you think. Change the way you think. Look what he says in verse 8. 
Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. He said, don't think on the negative, think on the what? Positive. Look at things more positively. And listen, he then follows up with this. Those things which ye have both learned and received and learned and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. That's a definite, isn't it? So God says, listen, change the way you're thinking. Don't get anxious about these things, but what you want to do is let God have it. And when you give it to God, a peace will enter into your life because it's in God's hands, not in mine. And then what he wants you to do is he wants you to realize that's going to come through Christ Jesus and then change your thinking. Change the way you're thinking about things and do things according to the scriptures. And he's teaching us to do this. And so as we go into this passage here in Matthew and we look at these two verses, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And all he talks about prior to that is anxiety, the anxiousness that we have over things, food, clothing, shelter, those things that we have anxiousness over. And yet God says, listen, if I can care for the lilies of the field, if I can feed the birds, can I not take care of you? The one that he created in his own image, can he not take care of us? And so are there things that you're putting ahead of seeking God first in your day? And here's what I want to challenge you with. Allow God to be first. Allow him to be first. I'm going to tell you, when he's not first in my day, sometimes I get rattled. <laughs> now, sometimes you can't help it. The house is on fire. Wait, i got to do my devotions. <laughs> no, I'm saying get out of the house. You can do your devotions later. Amen? <laughs> and, and the thing of it is, is that there are times whenever that time just comes rushing in on us. Something happens. The child wakes up. You wake up. They're throwing up. They've got a fever. They need to see the doctor. And, and you say, well, wait, honey, just go ahead and keep on throwing up. i got to get my devotions done. That's not, no. Seriously, you know what I'm saying? But the fact is, is that when you have that opportunity, get some time with him. Right? Get some time with him. I think it's what takes away the anxiousness. Allow God to be first every day, and I believe it will remove the anxieties of life. And I think there's some steps here that we need to really look at. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And here's the thing I want you to think about. Put God first. Is God first? It says in Colossians in chapter 1 and verse 18 that he needs to be preeminent in our lives. Preeminent means that he's got first place. He, he is first in our life. That he takes priority over everything else. He takes first place. Secondly, this. And I want you to really consider this this morning. Do you involve God in every decision you make? Do you involve God in the decisions that you make? In every decision that you make, do you just say, well, it doesn't matter, it's just money, or it's just this, or it's just that. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to... And I want you to realize something. Involve God in every decision. And either peace will come or peace will depart from you. Because he gives a peace that passeth what? All understanding. <laughs> and he'll either give you the peace about it or he won't. And here's what we don't like when we don't have the peace about it. But I want to do it anyway. And, and what God says is that you need to change your thinking. You need to change your attitude. You need to change your spirit about that and allow God to have his way. And here's one of the things. If you can avoid interferences in your time with God, do it. Don't let yourself get distracted. Here's what we'll do. We'll go in with our Bible and the TV's there and we'll turn the TV on and try to do our Bible study. That TV is going to take precedence over that Bible. I'm telling you the truth, it will. Or I'm just going to play some uh, music in the background here while I try to study my Bible. That music is going to start taking precedence. It's, you're not going to be able to give your full time and attention to God at that point. 
Try to find a place where you can get alone with him. Now, what is this all about? Well, I believe it's this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You won't have to worry about what you're eating or what you're drinking or what you're clothed like. It won't be that way for you. Peace will come. You'll be able to move on with your day. Now, consider your daily routine. And I believe this step to avoid anxieties is to put God first. So consider your daily routine. Is there a time in your day where you put God first? You say, well, you just don't know. I have to get up so early. Well, you can't pray while you're in the shower. You can't pray while... Uh, you're doing some mundane activity. I mean, I can definitely fry eggs and pray at the same time, usually praying that the eggs don't burn. But the idea is, is you can do two things at once, can't you? And he tells us to pray without ceasing. And so we have the ability to do this or he wouldn't have told us that. Would you agree? So there is an ability to spend time in prayer. And so even when you're rushed or you're doing that, you still have some time. And ladies, believe me, uh, you can put eyeliner on and pray at the same time. You ought to pray you don't poke your eye out, right, with the eyeliner. But the thing of it is, is you can do both. I promise you, you can. And, and fellas, when you're mowing the lawn or you're doing something or you've got an early morning, you can turn that radio off in the car and you can pray. Am I right? You can find some time. It's choosing to find that time. Would you agree with me? And so there is a time where you can get with God. So put God first in your life and let him be the strength which you view everything from. Listen, he can give you that strength. And here it is. It, it, even when it's a struggle, when it's a hard day, you can pray about that. He said, be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Can I even tell God, God, I'm feeling anxious. Can I tell him that? Can he help me with that? Can he give me a peace that passeth all understanding, even when I'm feeling anxious? Can God help me with that? Sure. And so what I'm sharing with you is, is let's turn this over to him. That anxiety is not for me to carry around. He wants me to get rid of that, doesn't he? And, and when you looked at your life, you should view it through who the Lord is, his character, his attribute. Who is God? <laughs> and, and think about whatever you're struggling with, whatever that might be, there is a God greater than that situation. I promise you that. And he talks about our afflictions on this earth are but light afflictions, does he not? And it's not what you think. And if we'll just turn that over to him, I think those anxieties. And how does that happen? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek God first. Go after him. Let me give you a couple of things. And we're not going to turn to all these verses. But if you're going to seek the kingdom of God, I think you've got to ponder on about who he is. And I thought about this. He is all powerful. Amen? Amen. How powerful is God? He is all-powerful. Let me give you a verse. You can write these down. Psalm 63.2. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Hey, David's talking about to supply you power for service to him. It's available. And David's talking about when he went into the house of the Lord, he saw the power of God. He could see God working. He knew God was doing something. And so what I'm sharing with you is this. We have an all-powerful God. And you can say, you can look at creation. Yeah, that's powerful. And you can look at all the things that he does. You know what's so powerful about God? He's still in the soul-saving business. Amen? He's people with the gospel. He reaches and who's in the saved lady who's in the gutter, and he takes that soul and he reaches down and pulls them out of the fire. That is a powerful God. God does that. And he wants to use us to accomplish that work. And I look at it, he's all-powerful. Here's the thing I love. He is wisdom. You ought to write that down. God's not wisdom. He is wisdom in that sense. I mean, he is what we need. If any of you lack wisdom, 
Let him ask of his neighbor. How many of you have seen those commercials where <clears throat> uh, the, the guy comes up and he goes, you know, I need a new roof on my house. And the neighbor goes, he goes, you know anybody? He goes, yeah. He goes, do me a favor. Go find three references. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I got to thinking about uh, how they think that someone else is going to have more wisdom than you do if you do the research. I like to do the research on my own. Anybody with me on that? I don't want my neighbor doing my research for me. <laughs> but the thing of it is, is that if you lack wisdom, let him ask of whom? God. God is wisdom. God is the wisdom. Now listen to me. To help you make difficult decisions, God's there. Here's what Job 12, 13 says. With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. God hath counsel and understanding. So here is what I'm trying to share with you. If you don't know how to handle a situation in your own household, who is the counsel and the understanding for that situation? God is. He's the wisdom. So that's where you want to take that. I want to tell you, when you do that, the anxiety starts to go down. <laughs> and you say, well, what if I still feel anxious? Tell him you are. It's okay to let him know that you're feeling anxious about something and you're asking for his help. The other thing is, he's not only powerful, not only wisdom, he is mercy, is he not? He is a merciful God. And when I think about his mercy, he has mercy to forgive our sins. In 2 Chronicles 30 and verse 9, For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return unto him. Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he'll do what? Draw nigh unto you. He'll get close to you. And the thing of it is, that starts to alleviate the anxiety, the anxiousness that you start feeling about situations. As I look at it, he is all grace to make you what you ought to be. And I think about Acts 4, 33. He says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. God's grace is amazing. And by the way, he is grace. Grace is what came down to man. For by grace are you saved through what? faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And God gives that grace often, does he not? And the grace that he provides, not only for our salvation, but the grace that he gives to us to live this life. Listen, this word is his grace, amen? When I don't know how to raise my kids, he gives me his grace to raise my children. When I don't know how to fix the situation between me and my wife, he gives me his word to help me that way. Why? Because this is the grace of God. It's amazing, isn't it? When you're anxious, you ought to open the book. <laughs> when you don't know what to do, you ought to ask of God. You ought, to, you ought to talk to the one that's all-powerful, amen? <laughs> because he can help heal the hurting heart. Can he not? He's there to help you emotionally. He's there to help you think differently. He is there for us. He is the one that reduces the anxieties in our lives. I love this about my Father in heaven. He's long-suffering. <laughs> How gracious are you that, or grateful are you that he is long-suffering, amen? I, I, I know my dad was long-suffering at times. My brother and I get in the back seat of the car sometimes, <laughs> and we start goofing off. And this is back in the day when you didn't have to wear seatbelts or have a car seat, amen? In fact, you could lay in the back window of the car. I used to do that. I used to lay in the back window. I'd drive. I'd be looking out like this, you know, at night and the day, especially you could look out at the stars, 
Today, I mean, you ever watch a kid go ride a bike? They look like they're in full, full armor, like a knight, you know what I mean? They come out and they got in elbow pads and knee pads and hand pads and helmets and, you know, shoes, leather jackets. And I'm thinking, where are you going? Ride my tricycle. <laughs> and I'm thinking, good night, man. <laughs> now you forget me, made me forget what I was talking about. What was I talking about? God's long suffering. Yes. My dad. I'm grateful I got a good wife. Hey, man, she's long-suffering. <laughs> she keeps me on track, Brother Darrell. <laughs> Mine goes. Dad's long-suffering. <laughs> I remember we'd get in the car. We'd start goofing off. Liam, you ought to pay attention to this. We'd get to going so bad. Daddy gets so mad. He goes, if you boys don't stop, I'm going to stop this car and do what? I'm going to pull over. I'm going to wear you out. Right? So we <laughs> we'd all be just carrying on. I'd say something, and he said, lean up here now. We had to lean up so he could whack us in the mouth. <laughs> now, he was long-suffering, amen? Because <laughs> I'm telling you, my brother and I could get to going in the backseat of that car. But I would see the patience of my father. And, 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 I, and I thought about my dad and the patience that he would demonstrate to us. Can you imagine how patient God is with us? Because <laughs> my dad's patience ran out, <laughs> you know what I mean? But God is long-suffering, isn't he? Think about what he sees, what he views every day. Not in the, just the world itself, in our own personal lives, the things that he views. And my dad, no doubt, was a long-suffering man. There were times where, and, and even gracious at times, very merciful at times, because we deserved something and we did not get it. But there were times when he'd let us know the mercy's just run out. <laughs> and it comes in a belt form, Amen. Or a switch form. He used to have an old willow tree out there. Anybody ever get hit with a willow switch? Oh, gosh. Woo. Now, if you said that today, if you did that to your kids today, you'd be in jail because someone's going to call the cops on you for that. But I'm preaching as a result of it today. Amen. He is long-suffering. To sympathize with your weakness. Listen to this. Numbers 14, 18. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. How wonderful is that? We have a first... John 1, 9 that we have in the New Testament helps us with that, right? And, and you think about that he forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, doesn't he? But we have to do something. What is it? We have to confess our sins. And so even here in the Old Testament, he's long-suffering, and the, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. That's Old Testament, isn't it? That's what he's talking about. He's all-knowing as well to teach you his will. 1 Samuel 2, 3, For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Uh-oh. <laughs> Listen, somebody's done you wrong, and you're hurting. Who's going to weigh out those actions? The Bible says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord, doesn't he? How many of us want to take vengeance on someone else at times? Oh, yeah. Or we say, okay, God, I'm going to let you do it. I just want to watch. And the reality is this. Vengeance is mine, I repay, saith the Lord, isn't it? God's the one that weighs our doings out. He's the one that looks down and he knows what the attitude and the spirit of your heart is. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's going on inside of you. He is all-knowing. And I look at this and I thank God for this as well. He's the comforter. How many of you have been hurting over something? Painful, hard to understand. I can't lay hold of some things that happen to people at times. You with me? 
and, and I share this story sometimes because my dad, we went through two house fires. In the first one, we didn't have the loss of life. In the second one, we had the loss of life. And, and I watched my dad go through that. And, and the thing of it is, is that as they went through it, they didn't have the Lord at the time to go through it with them. I know he wanted to comfort us, and all the children were upset, especially, you know, we lost our sister, and she lost her baby, and all kinds of things like that, and it was terrible. And Dad tried to comfort us, and, and, and you know, just tried to reach out to us. But I want you to write this verse down. And I want you to keep this close beside you if you're hurting over something today. The Bible says in John 14, 16, And I will pray the Father... And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. If you go into 2 Corinthians and you read chapter 1 and you look, that there is a comfort that God can give that man cannot give. We're to try to comfort one another. We're with the comfort, we are comforted with ourselves. But the fact is, is that comfort comes from where? It's going to come from heaven. It's going to come from the Holy Spirit of God. It's going to come in a way that we can't even understand it. And it passeth. Our understanding, does it not? So here's what God says. Let me handle your emotions and let me have your mind. When he tells us that in Philippians, he's telling us that he'll keep our hearts and minds through who? Christ Jesus. Who is Christ? Christ is the word. <laughs> and we need the word to help us think right and to help us emotionally stable, to help us where we are. And I look at this, and I believe this is the first step of alleviating some of that anxiety. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring your thoughts together through putting on the mind of Christ. The Scriptures, knowing Him, believing the attributes of God, the Spirit will always help you put Christ first every day. We just sang the hymn uh, with Lowry and, and Annie Hawks. I need thee every hour. <laughs> How many of you realize that we need hour and minute by minute really don't we and, and, and moment by moment we need Christ those anxieties that you have when your day comes to a close let it come to a close with joy not grief and, and even if you're grief stricken God's there to help you with that and let it come to a close and listen not just for relief of the problem or the situation, but the joy of knowing God's there for you to help you walk through that. That's amazing, isn't it? Why? Because he's powerful. Is he not? Is he a powerful God, folks? Is he a God of all wisdom? When you think about it, is he merciful? Is he full of grace? Is he long-suffering? Is he all-knowing? Is he your comforter? Yes. And he's there for you. He'll help you in those times of anxiety. Let me get you to think about this. In Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you're saved today, say amen. amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I look to the scriptures and I see this. It starts with your thought lives. When you awake, make God first in your life. And I understand things can enter in really quickly, even early in the morning or maybe even late in the evening. But Daniel kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four times. Three times a day, this young man who was in captivity and his life was not his own. He was owned. He was in slavery to this king whom he just did not want to be there. And yet, 
Three times a day he went to God, didn't he? Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. And I look to the scriptures and Jesus ought to be the first and the last one you think about every day. And all things he might have preeminence to overcome these daily anxieties. Let him be first. Let him be the first on your mind. Let him be the last thing on your mind before you fall asleep. Second thought. Every choice you make needs to include the Lord. Every choice you make needs to include the Lord. The second step to avoid anxieties is to involve God in your decision making. <laughs> I share the story not out of pride, just out of truth. Uh, Anita and I had been looking, looking, looking and, uh, for a house. And, and I went in my office. <laughs> and I knelt down and I prayed. And I said, Lord, I said, you know what we can afford. You know what we like. I had to throw that in there for her. No. And uh, what we like, you know what we can afford. And Lord, I don't even know where I'm supposed to live. You do. I knelt down and I prayed in my office. Brother Jim, I got up, went over to my desk, and boop, right there, a text. And I, I pulled it up, and my wife said, we need to go look at this. It was on the market 20 minutes now, I'm not sure how long I was praying, but whenever I got up, I went over to my desk and I looked at it. We went over to the closing. The young girl there, Camille was her name, was the one that closed it. She just started in real estate. And she said, they told me I'm spoiled. From the time she posted it until the time that we wanted to put an offer on it was 27 minutes. I'm amazed at the house my God found for me. When I walk into it, the other night I laid down in that bed and I went to sleep and there was such a peace in my heart. Because I believe I'm right in the very location that God chose for me to be. Now why? I have no idea yet. I just know he chose me to live there. And I want to tell you something. I believe that is the God that I serve. I pray that's the God you serve. I believe he answers prayer. I believe he can answer it, and we just have to be willing to give it to him. Yep. What's causing that anxiety in our lives sometimes is we're trying to make decisions apart from him, are we not? How many of you have been guilty of that? You're just trying to make a decision. You're just trying to get it done and over with, and I'm just going to make it apart from I'm not going to ask God. I'm just going to go do it. <laughs> and you know what happens? Anxiousness comes in, doesn't it? Well, I'm not sure if this is right or if this is wrong or should I do this or should I not do this. How many of you are there? How many of you have done that? And the thing of it is that anxiousness comes because we're not turning our decisions over to the Lord. We're trying to make them apart from him. And so the second step to avoid these anxieties is to involve him in the decision-making. And consider your decision-making this morning. And I got to thinking about this. Are they based on wisdom and desire? Or are they based on wants and needs? What are they based on? And you say, well, pastor, it's wants, it's needs, it's desire. And I'm telling you this, no matter what it is, ask God. Because he even told me in the scriptures, he'll even give us the desires of our heart. <laughs> if it's in line with his will, I'm sure he'll give it to you. Amen. And as I look to the scriptures to answer this question, you have to consider the Lord's righteousness. And what is his righteousness? Because he says in this passage, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his 
righteousness. Seek what's right, what God would desire for you. Not just what I want, but what does God want? And and as I looked at this, this is sometimes uh, defined simply as justification or what is right and what is wrong. However, it goes beyond that. Just what is right, and, and it goes on to the act of doing what is in agreement with God. You mean my decision has to be in agreement with God? I would say yes. Need to be in agreement with God. They need to be in agreement with Him. They need to be in agreement with His Word. That's really making a decision through His righteousness. How many of you agree with that this morning? <laughs> it's determining what it is that God would want and what are His standards and what is the uh, thing that He desires and how do I remain in a proper relationship with Him but yet make decisions apart from Him? I want to tell you, in any household that we live in, when the husbands go about making decisions and don't inform the wives, I'm telling you, it causes problems. It causes great problems in a household. Because you're going about doing everything on your own without thinking about the other party. I want to tell you, if I did that, I don't know how well things would go. And and what happens? Ladies, the same is true on the other side of that. When you're going around making decisions apart from your husband, maybe some rules been laid down in the house and he desires for this to take place and you've got to do this with the children. As soon as he walks out the door, you turn your back on your husband and you let the kids go do what he just said. Stop! That creates problems. Because now you're not doing right. And the reality is, is we wanted to do things according to God's righteousness. What's in agreement with him? Decisions apart from God is making a decision apart from righteousness. And regardless of the type of the decision, when you decide apart from God, I believe that leads to anxiety when you make it apart from God. If you are to seek God first, he's telling you to seek his righteousness first. This is his standard. And think on on this for a moment. How many of you have had a life-changing decision and you made it in a snap and then regretted it? I don't know too many life-changing decisions that I made in a snap and then thought, well, that was good. That's rare. If it's happened to you, praise the Lord. You made out because it's never worked for me. When I make those snap decisions, that's when the comes because then I make it and then it's done. Early on in our marriage, we just went to go to a car dealership and look at a car, a Pontiac Grand Am. Nice new models, you know, they had changed the style on them. We got in there and before I knew it, I was convinced to roll over my student loans and to roll them into this car and they would make it all one loan. And this lady had me convinced to do this. And she put me in that car and said, here, just take it home. I went home that night and I laid at the bottom of that bed and I thought, am I an idiot or what? I know what the interest rate was on the student loans. (laughs) And I want to roll that into a car? I'll be paying for this car forever. And by the time I'm done paying for the car, the junk man's going to be coming and picking it up for 100 bucks. I went back and I told her. I walked in there and I said, man, I got to give this back. I don't have a piece of it. Well, we got all the loan. I said, I don't care what you got. I don't need it. That's my daddy talking. I don't care what you got. I said, we're done. I, don't, I, I just Here, I want my car. I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do this. No peace. Now, I want to tell you something. When we make snap decisions, 
especially when they got you on the lot and you smell the new leather and you go, it's only 10 years. <laughs> Think. Ask God. My pastor taught me this. When you're in those situations, tell the salesperson, if I have to give you an answer right now, my answer is no, I have to pray about this. That'll relieve you of some anxiety. And they say, what? Yeah. Just tell them, if I have to, have to give you an answer right now, my answer is no, I need to pray about this. Maybe you'll even get an opportunity to witness to them. Let me tell you what it does. You want to involve God in your what? Decisions. Involve him in your decision making. Don't do it apart from your husband. Don't do it apart from your wife. Work together, pray together, make the decisions together. And I'll tell you, the two of you then take that decision to God and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Now, listen, don't say, Lord, we've made the decision. Bless it. Because <laughs> we get that way too, right? Lord, I bought the new truck. I need you to bless it now. I need you to make sure everything comes out right at the end of each month. No, I'm saying pray about it. Ask God what he would have you to do first. Let me get to the bottom of this. How then do you make these decisions? You know, think about snap decisions, and you think sometimes they're harmless. Was it harmless for Eve to walk in and take a bite of that fruit that day? No. She walked over to the tree and saw the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did it come with consequences? Yes, it did. And so I want you to think about how our decisions come with consequences sometimes. And you need to make sure that you're not doing those kinds of things. James says the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Amen? The wisdom that comes from where? Not the wisdom that comes from within. By the way, he calls it sensual, devilish. The one that comes from in here, sensual, devilish. He says the one that cometh from above is first pure, then what? Peaceable. It's a peace that passeth all understanding. You're going to make it. And it might not be convenient. It might not be right. It not, might not be the perfect thing. But it's the right thing according to God. And you want him in on the deal. Isaiah 118, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Amen. When's the last time you reasoned with God about what you're doing? And you go to him and you talk to him. And you say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Not, Lord, I did this. Now I want you to bless it. And that is where that's a big mistake. When you need to make these life decisions, let your heart be drawn close to God. To overcome the anxieties, life decisions, go to the scriptures. Last thought is this. The third step is to avoid interference. He says here in this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things shall be added unto you. And here's what he said. Take, thought, uh, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now I want to ask you something. How many of you have laid down on the pillow and you can't sleep? Because you're thinking about tomorrow. Anybody with me on that one? I do it. And I'm thinking about tomorrow rather than whatever I'm dealing with today. And I'm so busy with tomorrow that this moment passes me by. I'm not thinking about what needs to be done now. As I look at this, the third step is to avoid some interferences. I think sometimes we let a lot of things of this world interfere with it. All these things are often what is pursued, and they are the very things that keep us from serving God at times, are they not? We pursue those things so hard, and then we're anxious over them. We're anxious about our pursuit or what we're doing. 
You, you've got an a interview the following day, and I want to ask you something. Who, who, who is really in charge of things? Well, uh, you know, I, I've got to really think this through. I got an opportunity to get into this position, and I, you know, and you're thinking about it all night long, and now you're not rested, and you're going to go in for the interview because you're going to get a, a promotion, or you're going to be moving into that position, and you can't even think because you did not even rest that night. You didn't put it in God's hands. You put it in your own hands, and you can't get any rest. There are things, many things that get in the way regarding our relationship with the Lord. Ambition gets in the way. Pleasures get in the way. Loved ones, friendships, desire for recognition, money. And, 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 and God tells us to be very careful about those things, not to let those get out ahead of us. Write this down. We're not going to turn to this verse, but I want you to write this down. When you get a chance, go read 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. When we seek those things that are pleasurable and the pleasures become more important than God, seeking out those pleasures become more your heavenly father and so god says anxiety enters in as a result of those things so how then do you avoid these things getting in the way of god and what do you have to do to stop that well i told you it starts with salvation and then it starts with a selfless heart not a selfish heart a selfless heart and and you've got to think about does god not know your need does he know that you need food and clothing and raiment does he know these things he knows what you need and so therefore, why am I so anxious over this? Because I have not put it into the hands of my heavenly Father. Let me give you this thought. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12, and we'll end with this this morning. Mark chapter 12. Everybody with me? Look at verse 30. He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other, great, none other commandment greater than these. And so what did he tell us? He said, well, love the Lord with all your heart. I want to tell you a prayer that I pray every day. And this isn't for high-mindedness. I pray this verse through because I don't think I'm this guy. I don't think I love him the way that I want to with all my heart. I want to, but I don't think I accomplish it. But he tells me in this passage, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Now notice this, and with all thy soul. You can't see either of those, can you? With all of your emotions and with all of the internal being that you have, God says you're to love him. And then he says, and with all thy mind. Again, you can't see that, but even in your what? Thought life. In your emotions and your will and your thought life, love God. And then he goes on and he says, and do it with all your strength. I don't think he's just talking about physical strength. I think he's talking about spiritual strength. I'm talking about with everything you have within you to love God that way. And, and as I look at this, he said, this is the first commandment. That's the first thing we ought to do. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are you becoming anxious over today? You see, God said that we need to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Hey, listen, that's the first commandment. That's what we ought to be doing first. 
And yet, where is our mind when our day starts? And what has control over us? Brother Chuck Coffey, how many of you know Brother Coffey? He was an evangelist, and uh, he was an old Marine. He was in Vietnam. He was in, uh, in, in Vietnam, and he, he and, uh, had got separated from their uh, parties, and uh, all of his men had died. And it was him and one other military fellow with him. He was in the Marines. This fellow was an Army guy, and he talks about being out there. I mean, Brother Chuck went through a lot while he was out there in, in Vietnam. And while in Vietnam, Brother Chuck said, I had to make a decision one day. And he said, as I was about to make that decision, he said, I was so thirsty. We didn't have any water. We didn't have anything to drink. And he said, I could not wait to get a glass of water. And, and Brother Chuck said, I just began to pray. And he said, the enemy came upon them. And one had strayed off by themselves in a big old canteen of water on him. He had the responsibility to kill. And through killing that man, God provided him water for him and his partner. He said when he left there, he said when he would go home, he said, I began to pray, and I'd sit down at the dinner table, and he said, I remember my wife would bring out a glass of water. He said, I'd pick up that glass of water. He said, I'd take a drink of it, and I'd go, man, that's good. He said the reason he was bringing it up, his granddaughter started doing it, and she would take a drink of water, and she'd go, that's good. And he said, you know, I told my granddaughter, do you know who gave that to us? God did. He said, I was out. And he said, I had no water. And I prayed to a heavenly father. I thought we were going to die. I had become anxious. And God provided the water. And he said, and I got a hold of this verse. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God. <laughs> How, folks? With all thy heart. With all thy soul. With all thy mind. With all thy strength, this is the first commandment. What are you burdened over today? What are you anxious about? Are you willing to seek God first?